Welcome to the Thinking Man Podcast. Think different, be different, make a difference. Welcome to the Thinking Man Podcast. Think different, be different, make a difference. With us today is Nelson. Uh, Star is uh, busy with some other things. So uh, today we're going to be going through a, another book that I really like, uh, The Obstacle is the Way, and some more on Marcus Aurelius. But this is uh, just a little different. This is written by a man named Ryan Holiday, and we're going to have some eps- excuse me, excerpts and just go through it and look at the different things in our lives where we grab hold of weakness, where we have an obstacle in front of us and we think we're a victim. And, you know, if we're really going to want to make a difference in people's lives, we're going to have to change the way we think and to start being different. So today we're going to be, if you go back to our previous episodes, you know, the essential Marcus Aurelius, you'll know a little bit about Marcus. Uh, But today what we're going to focus on is, is the obstacle. And the obstacle is the way. It's a very simple statement, but we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about it a little bit more today. What does that really mean? The way to what? Well, we need to realize that the obstacle is going to be the fuel for what we want in our lives. It's the energizer. Um, the obstacle is a marker. Some people see an obstacle and they say, oh gosh, what now? But it's really a marker to actually show you that you're even closer to your goal. And of course, the obstacle is an opportunity. And as we look today, the obstacle is in a dismal situation. The obstacle is going to be a way for us to thrive. It's going to be something that will vault us to where we need to get to. And we're going to see it's not just about being positive. It's not about a positive outlook, but positive for a reason. That we're going to be creative, that we're going to be opportunistic. Um, an example of this is going to be exercise, Nels, right? Sure. Anybody really enjoy working out? Would we work out just for the heck of it if our bodies didn't look nicer? If we didn't lose weight? Absolutely not. Not a chance, right? But we do it because we know the way is via the exercise. Correct. The exercise is the way to get what we want. Um, on the battlefield, what is what is the obstacle? The enemy? Can be, sure. Right, the enemy. Let's say the enemy. And we'll look at the enemy, but... What do you want to do? You want to win the battle. Correct. You need to have, that enemy needs to be there for you to win. Exactly. They're going to be there. They're part of it. The enemy is only part of it. Education. You know, why do people quit college or quit school? Well, it comes down to time, attention, but all those things are really, to get to the end mean, the end of where you want to be, it's the obstacle is the way. you got to put in the time. You have to put in the attention yes. in order to get where you want. Nobody goes to school because they just enjoy it. It doesn't work that way. And here's one. What about love? Hmm. What are some obstacles that are in the way? Um, myself. Insecurity. Sure. You know, what? what is the way through those things? Because if people, people want love. They want to be part of something. They want to be loved. They want to love somebody. But what's in the way? Usually my insecurity. Me, myself, my not wanting to be open or vulnerable right. or transparent or not wanting to get hurt. So those are all the avenue of building a loving relationship. You have to show your insecurity. You have to be open. 
you have to be vulnerable. You have to be transparent. You can't be afraid of being hurt. And what happens? All those things go out there. That's the obstacle that keeps us. That's right. It ends up becoming a way to a nurturing, loving relationship. And that's how you find love. Sometimes there's hurt in there. Absolutely. Right? Very few of us marry the first person we love or, you know, usually there's heartbreak along the way. So with that, I want to break into our book a little bit. And again, if I didn't say it, I'm going to say it again because I like giving credit where it's due. The Obstacle is the Way by, by Ryan Holiday. And also, I just want to go over some highlighted parts. I'm going to read some excerpts and then let's just talk. Let's just talk. And as a reminder, um, none of us have arrived. We're not authorities. We're going through this together. We're working through this. We're talking. We want to grow together. This is a team. It's a team sport. So I'm just going to read the introduction real quick because I think it sets the tone. This thing in front of you, this issue, this obstacle, this frustrating, unfortunate, problematic, unexpected problem preventing you from doing what you want to do, that thing you dread or secretly hope will never happen, what if it wasn't so bad? What if embedded inside of it or inherent in it were certain benefits, benefits only for you? What would you do? What do you think most people would do? Probably what they've always done and what you're doing right now. Nothing. Let's be honest. Most of us are paralyzed. Whatever our individual goals, most of us sit frozen before the many obstacles that lie ahead of us. We wish it weren't true, but it is. What blocks us is clear, systematic. Decaying institutions, rising unemployment, skyrocketing costs of education, technology disruption. And individually, it could be, well, I'm too short, I'm too old, I'm too scared, I'm too poor, I'm too stressed. No access, no backers, no confidence. How skilled we are in listing what holds us back. Every obstacle is unique to each of us, but the responses they elicit are the same. And here they are, guys. Fear, frustration, confusion, helplessness, depression, anger. Now, as we've discussed on our previous podcasts, you can react or you can respond. You can be weak or you can be strong. Let me continue. You know what you want to do, but it feels like some invisible enemy has you boxed in, holding you down with pillows. You try to get somewhere but something invariably blocks the path. Following and thwarting each move you make, you have just enough freedom to feel like you can move, just enough to feel like it's your fault when you can't seem to follow through or build momentum. We're dissatisfied with our jobs, our relationships, our place in the world. We're trying to get somewhere, but something stands in the way, so we do nothing. We blame our bosses, the economy, our politicians, other people, or we write ourselves off as failures or our goals as impossible, when really only one thing is at fault, our attitude and approach. Any of this sound familiar to you, Nels? It sounds all too familiar. Um, and it's interesting, as, as, as you went through that excerpt, I actually wrote down some things that you led into. Uh, as as part of this, and, and I think truly, uh, just at the surface level, that the the first thing 
any individual can realize is that we are what blocks us and and each each obstacle is unique to you as an individual it could be the same problem two people can have the same problem however it's 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 unique to each of them because we all have different makeups we all have different makeups and and how the the way that we perceive these and the way uh the perspective that we have as individuals to the same uh situation is different four plus four and five plus three equals eight so that would eliminate me saying when what oh it's easy for you to say right what, right absolutely or uh oh you don't know what i'm up against absolutely absolutely because <laughs> we could be up against the same thing however it's you know it it's two different perspectives at the same you know take a look at uh for example the six and the nine you know if you're looking at it from opposite sides it's a six to one person it's a nine to the other however you're looking at the same thing in 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 some perspective all right so I'm going to read a little bit more. There's an old Zen story about a king whose people had grown soft and entitled. Dissatisfied with this state of affairs, he hoped to teach them a lesson. His plan was simple. He would place a large boulder in the middle of the main road, completely blocking entry into the city. He would then hide nearby and observe the reaction. How would they respond? Would they band together to remove it, or would they get discouraged, quit, and return home? With growing disappointment, the king watched as subject after subject came to the impediment and turned away, or at best tried half-heartedly before giving up. Many openly complained or cursed the king or fortune or bemoaned the inconvenience, but none managed to do anything about it. After several days, a lone peasant came along on his way into town. He did not turn away. Instead, he strained and strained, trying to push it out of the way. Then an idea came to him. He scrambled into the nearby woods to find something he could use for leverage, finally returned with a large branch he had crafted into a lever and deployed it to dislodge the massive rock from the road. Beneath the rock were a purse of gold coins and a note from the king which said, The obstacle in the path becomes the path. Never forget within every obstacle is an opportunity to improve our condition. To paraphrase, the obstacle is the way. So what was the problem with the other people you think, Nels, that walked up to it? Well, I think the one thing that jumps at me, uh, and it's something I use in my personal life, uh, as uh, I tap into it many times, it's we tend to focus on the problem and not past it. And so, when you do that, in the in the case of this of this boulder, uh, the way that I look at it is, you know, uh, I'm on a I'm on a road, whether it's narrow or, or 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 wide, and I look at this boulder, and I don't I choose not to look past it, and so I say, there's a boulder on the road. Who's going to move this? How can I move this? I'm not walking around the boulder, perhaps, and seeing what lies beyond the boulder. And perhaps in that same gaze, you know, there is a, there is the forest, you know, somewhere off in the, in the distance that I can walk to and, and get the tool that I need and, and which will allow me to, to move the boulder, uh, just as this individual did. 
So I think it's 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 a perspective is is what it is. So it, it absolutely rings. So in life, we what do we do? We bemoan our problems. Problems are nothing more than obstacles. Anybody that lives a life thinking that they're going to have a life problem free, you're going to be miserable because that is life. Life is just one obstacle to another. And you have a choice. You can go through them being in control or thinking that you have no control. Now, you may not have control of the obstacle. That rock was in the road, but how you perceive it and how you deal with it. And then ultimately what you get out of it. And we see from this short story, uh, what you get out of it is pleasure. Other people still had to deal with the same rock, the same problem. And what they get out of it? Nothing. And what's going to happen when they come across another rock? Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. They're going to bemoan their their situation. So in life, um, you know, problems, obstacles, whatever, whatever they are, it's just a matter of how we view them, and how often we just see so many people out there. We'll hear it all the time about a wasted life, and it's usually their perspective, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit in a, very shortly is the perspective and how we view things. Um, there's so many talented people. You'll see that there's, you know, uh, it could be brilliant you'll see how they killed themselves and then you'll talk to people that know them and they'll say oh they were such a great student they had so much promise what happened their view their perspective went south they didn't see things as they really were they didn't see how wonderful they were they, all they saw was was something in their life that was so big and insurmountable that they could they couldn't overcome it and that goes back to what you said the reason that you think it's big and overpowerful is because that's all you're looking at you're staring at the problem instead of stepping back and looking and realizing that, okay, there's, this isn't the end of the world. This isn't the end of everything. What does this really mean to me? What is this keeping me from? So let me read a little bit more. Today, most of our obstacles are eternal, internal, I'm sorry, not external. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, we've lived in some of the most prosperous times in history. And you and I are here in the United States of America. It doesn't get too much more prosperous than this. So not only do we have the benefit of the most prosperous time in history, but we are in the most prosperous locale in history in the United States of America. We have so little excuses, so much opportunity. And you see that a lot when people come from other countries. Um, I love hearing different speakers that grew up in different countries and they come here and they flourish, they thrive. And it's be, and that's why a lot of people like to come here. They realize that as Americans, we become weak and lazy. They come here hungry, seeing all the opportunities. What we see as dismal, we don't want to take this job, they see as a great opportunity. Yes. Whereas in their country, they didn't even have a job. That's there right. were no jobs because there's no economy. And food where we'll complain about the food and we'll throw away more food than some families eat in these countries so we lived in the most prosperous times but no matter how prosperous a time we live the world rarely does exactly what we want we all want to be soothsayers we want how our life is going to go tomorrow how often does your life go the way you want it to go tomorrow very rarely very rarely and we don't realize it, but if we were to sit there and write down what we thought our day was going to be like tomorrow, and then we see how it actually went, it's not going to be anything like that. could be a little better, it could be a little worse. Things that we don't expect. We can extrapolate that down 10 years, whatever it may be. Um, things aren't really what we expect or go necessarily the way we want. 
That would be obstacle free. Right. It doesn't work that way. We've learned helplessness. Many of our problems come from having too much. And the author says we're soft, entitled, scared of conflict. And then he says great times are great softeners. And that's true. We've seen every great um, government or empire over, the, over time. Why do they fall? I've mentioned this before in our podcast. It was never because of outward influences. When that outer enemy finally attacked, if they were strong enough, like they always were in the past, that enemy wouldn't have had a chance. They were fighting an already collapsed empire, whether it was the Roman Empire, whether it was the Greek Empire, uh, whatever it is, they grew, they got away from what got them there, they got soft, and they started crumbling from the inside. And then when the enemy came, it was just collapse. Let's take that into our own personal lives, this life that we've grown up with. We're in the United States of America. We've all grown up with ease. Yes. We've all grown up with ease comparatively. We all have opportunities. Some of the greatest businessmen and the greatest inventors in the world came from nothing because they were hungry. Sometimes we'll say, well, oh, if I only had that advantage. Those people that have that advantage usually turn to nothing. If you look at all the great men that have walked this planet or you go through the history books, what do you hear about their children? Usually nothing. Not that they weren't good parents. They were great parents. But those children weren't hungry. Right. Their parent had tread the way, and it usually skips a generation. Uh, very, very, very rarely does that greatness follow because the hunger isn't, isn't there. The drive, the ambition is no longer there. So what do you think about us as a as humans just being soft, entitled, not wanting conflict, wanting it easy? I think it's it's a uh, it's an Achilles heel uh, to uh, uh, in many aspects uh, to say the least, and so uh, looking at myself uh, in my own personal life, uh, you know, I, I had to uh, to get to the point where I am now. There there are many things I didn't have that I had to find a way to get there. Um, you know, my my parents came to this country, uh, and and they they didn't have the opportunities that I had. So uh, at, in opposite of what some of these great leaders were that came to this country, right, and, and had, uh, they made opportunities out of nothing. Uh, you know, my parents specifically, their goal was to get to the United States. Unfortunately, it, it didn't go much further from there, uh, you know, for any multitude of reasons. Uh, and so... Here I am as a child, and, and I'm growing up, and, and some of these things that, that I have are, uh, you know, are, 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 easy to, are easy to come by. You know, we have uh, things like TV, and we have, uh, you know, things that uh, children back in the Dominican Republic, they, they couldn't afford to, to watch TV, right? Or, or they have electricity, you know, two hours a day. And so uh, it's very, very easy to, to uh, not appreciate what others don't have and I think that for me as an individual I didn't 
I didn't really take control of my life until I understood those things. Um, and, and I, I see, and I lived, you know, what we are as, as, as a, um, as a society. And, uh, and I think that, I think that we need to truly, uh, appreciate what others don't have in order to, to, uh, to, to get to where we need to go. Gratitude. 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 Right? Realize what we have and the opportunity we really have. So instead of looking at what I don't have, look at what I do have. You know, and I think you sold your parents a little short when you said they just stopped there. If that was their goal to get to the United States, and that was a pretty big goal. Sure. That was great. You know, and it, and it should be. What happens is, you know, then the next person wants to be a little hungrier. But then all of a sudden, when we stop getting hungry, we start to we start to fall back a little bit. So as we look at ourselves and we start to remember, you know, I'm just going to keep going back just to refocus us. Think different, be different, make a difference. If we want to make a difference in other people's lives and our own life, we need to be different. But the only way to be different is to start to think differently and that's why we're studying what we're studying today that's why we're reviewing it because we're going to look at our at our today we're going to focus mostly on perception and what that is what is perception well, i'm going to read what the author has here it's how we see and understand what occurs around us and what we decide those events will mean our perceptions can be a source of strength or of great weakness if we're emotional subjective and short-sighted we only add to our troubles. To prevent becoming overwhelmed by the world around us, we must, as the ancients practiced, learn how to limit our passion and their control over our lives. It takes skill and discipline to bat away the pests of bad perceptions, to separate reliable signals from deceptive ones, to filter out prejudice, expectation, and fear. But it's worth it, for what's left is truth. While others are excited or afraid, we will remain calm and imperturbable, unmovable. We will see things simply and straightforwardly as they truly are, neither good nor bad. This will be an incredible advantage for us in the fight against obstacles. So in other words, if we're going to paraphrase, when we see something, it's just part of life. Sure. It's not good. It's not bad. It's part of life. Vin, you mentioned uh, us being in the uh, most prosperous time in, in the most mm -hmm. prosperous country. So we have the the uh, luxuries of, of things like uh, Internet, uh, so easily available, information at our fingertips at any moment. You know, uh, a lot of people talk about, or I like to talk a lot about, you know, what I see walking in New York City, which are many people are actually not looking at the road that they're walking on because they're looking at their phones. And so uh, for as connected as we need to feel, um, we're, we couldn't be more disconnected. We couldn't be more disconnected. To that point, uh, and, and, and just to go back a little bit, you mentioned, Vin, uh, every problem or obstacle in this particular uh, case is unique to each individual. So although it is unique to each one of us it probably isn't the first time it's happened mm -hmm. okay and 
And one thing that I like to uh, take on is learning from other experiences because, you know, it's important to take that step back and, you know, what did, what did Vin do in that situation? Or what did this person that I know went through this? What did they do? You know, did we study? Did we really think about it? And I think that when we do that, we, we recognize ourselves a little bit better and that we can better apply ourselves to, to get the desired result. So it's not unique to me. Somebody else has been through it. You know, we, we, we get so embattled within ourselves over these things that we think it's, you know, this has never happened before. It's only happening to me. Why me? We get that victim mentality. Yes. Why not me? You know, why, why should I not be part of the statistical program? We hear that all the time. Oh, I never thought it would be me. I always heard about these things, but it can be. And that's why we need to open our eyes and, and realize that. But the other part of it is the positive end. That could be me. Yes. I can do that. If that guy can, why not me? And, and, and that's it. It's a matter of having that, that drive, that ambition, the way we look at things, not being afraid but perception is in itself it's a discipline i have to learn to control my emotions my fears it doesn't mean that we just turn them off it means i'm in control of them and we discussed that in previous podcasts just taking control take back control of our lives by not being a robot to our fears and emotions i'm going to read a little bit more here we can learn to perceive things differently to cut through the illusions that others believe or fear we can stop seeing the problems in front of us as problems. We can learn to focus on what things really are. I always love when people start with, oh, this is the problem. This is the problem. Too often we react emotionally, get despondent, lose our perspective. All that does is turn bad things into really bad things. Unhelpful perceptions can invade our minds, that sacred place of reason action and will and throw off our compass it's so easy for us to just to see everything as a problem can you imagine if every day we could we perceive the weather as a problem and some people do how do i know that listen to the idle brainless chit chat that goes on with people over the weather oh it's so hot oh it's cold Oh, it's, what is the perfect temperature? Oh, it's raining. I wish it was sunnier out. I mean, it's the weather. Deal with it. Who cares? That's why they, I mean, they have umbrellas. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, can you imagine spending time? That tells me that there is no focus on what you really want in life, that you're just going to float through the air like a leaf and wherever the wind blows. And that is a miserable life because you're never going to be happy because you're always going to believe, oh, I wish I was over there. I wish I was here. And the, and the wind is just blowing me around. When in turn, I go outside, it's raining. Put up an umbrella. It's snowing. So be it. It's the weather. I'm not here for the weather. I'm here. I have goals. I have ambitions. I have drive. So be it. So be it. Couldn't agree more, Vin. Uh, all pun intended. Uh, uh, you know, some, uh, there are, uh, many of us out here that, uh, we go according to, to the wind direction and, and, and where the wind blows and, uh, regardless of, of what happens, Hey, you know, one day it's going to rain one day, there's going to be sweltering heat, you know? So what do we do to your point, Vin? You grab an umbrella. Okay. When it's, when it's really hot out and you know, even it's a, it's a summer day, you're off. When you go out into the sun, what do you do? You put some sunscreen on 
right? You protect your skin. When it's snowing out, what do you do? You you get ready. You get ready. You make sure you get out a little bit earlier. You 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 get your shovel out and you clean out your driveway so that you can drive off. Do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. Reading more. Discipline in perception lets you clearly, here it is, see the advantage and the proper course of action in every situation without panic or fear. So when he talks about advantage there, so now let's talk about, you know, we have individual obstacles, but then there's obstacles that, maybe there's an obstacle at work. Who's going to overcome it? It's an advantage to you how you see that obstacle. It's an opportunity to an advancement, a promotion. Somebody else might see it as, well, that's not fair. Or my favorite, that can't be done. <laughs> you know, there was a time that they never believed that man would be able to fly in airplanes, obviously. Sure. And this was, even though, I mean, the mathematicians, keep in mind, if we go back to the 13 and 1400s and even before, there were mathematicians that could figure out orbits of planets that they could barely see. So with all of that mathematics available, people still believed in the 1800s that it would be impossible and we would never have air flight. But we see that's so wrong. We see that obviously we take it for granted. Today, it was just somebody's view, somebody's vision. They believe the four-minute mile would never be broken. Sure. Good high school athletes can do it. Why do records continue to be broken well there's a lot of things you know is there um, better science involved are the athletes stronger do they get faster is there all of those things absolutely but also it's it's mental barriers you got to go for the next record that's right you got to go for it and what seemed insurmountable all of a sudden is just the next the next step so with that there's opportunities at work there's opportunities in life let that obstacle be your advantage because other people are going to see it and go, oh, crud. And for you, it's, it's a ball, literally a ball of opportunity. Let me read on. We can see disaster rationally or rather like Rockefeller. We can see the opportunity in every disaster and transform that negative situation into an education, a skill set, or a fortune. Seen properly, everything that happens be it an economic crash or personal tragedy, is a chance to move forward, even if it's on a bearing that we did not anticipate. I, um, I read a lot of books on just scientific breakthrough. Very rarely does scientific breakthrough happen in the direction that they're looking. Medicines, they, they come across them by accident. Yes. Nothing yes. to do with what they're looking for. The reason being is that their mind is set in a certain way quite often that they're looking for a certain result. And because they're looking for a certain result, they miss other things that occur that maybe didn't result. The reality is there's probably so many other discoveries for disease out there that were just missed. But every now and then, whether it's a petri dish that something starts to grow, whatever it may be that's by accident, we discover something totally different. So sometimes what our goal and our plan is, 
what happens? An obstacle is there, and it might divert us because we have to go around that obstacle, and all of a sudden we discover something else. You watch any of these goofy Hallmark love stories, what always happens? The guy or the girl is starting off with somebody else, right. destined to be married to them, they love them, and then they meet their... Tr then something happens, a snowstorm, car breakdown, yes. something happens where their destiny was shifted, and all of a sudden now they find this true love. We see it all the time. We see it in life, and we'll even see these stories and say, gee, oh, wow, why can't that happen to me? Well, there's opportunities out there everywhere. If you have an obstacle in front of you today, you have an opportunity. Absolutely. And, and Vin, in, in, the, in each of those cases, the common denominator, although we might not see it that way, is an open mind. There you go. And an open mind keeps things in perspective. We focus on what we can control. What can we? I can't control the weather. I, I can control putting on a coat. I can control driving in a safer manner in that weather. I'm going to read a quote from Marcus Aurelius here. Choose not to be harmed, and you won't feel harmed. Don't feel harmed, and you haven't been. What he's really saying is, you haven't harmed me unless I've decided you've harmed me. You haven't done me an insult unless I decide to be insulted. You haven't averted the direction I'm going in unless I've decided that you have. And it really is to recognize the power that we have. I'm going to read a little story. Reuben Hurricane Carter. We've probably heard about him before. Top contender for the middleweight title at the height of his boxing career in the mid-60s was wrongly accused of a horrific crime he did not commit, triple homicide. He went on trial, and a biased, bogus ver verdict followed three life sentences. It was a dizzying fall from the heights of success and fame. Carter reported to prison in an expensive, tailored suit, wearing a 5,000 diamond ring and a gold watch. And so, waiting in line to be entered into the general inmate population, he asked to speak to someone in charge. Looking the warden in the eye, Carter proceeded to inform him and the guards that he was not giving up the last thing he controlled himself. In his remarkable declaration, he told them in so many words, I know you had nothing to do with the injustice that brought me to this jail. So I'm willing to stay here until I get out. But I will not, under any circumstance, allow myself to be treated like a prisoner. Because I am not, and never will be, powerless. It was a, that's a strong statement. Others would say I'm a victim. Right. Look what happened to me. But Carter maintained that he still had choices. Choices that could not be taken from him, even though his physical freedom had been. All of this had a purpose. Every second of his energy was to be spent on his legal case. That was his goal, right? If he's bemoaning yes. himself, feeling bad for himself, he's not focusing, but he's now going to focus on his legal case. Every waking moment was spent reading law books, philosophy, history. They hadn't ruined his life. They just put him somewhere he didn't deserve to be. He did not intend to stay there. He would learn and read and make the most of the time he had on his hands. He would leave prison not only a free and innocent man, but a better and improved one.
So he eventually got out. Now he could get out the same as he went in. Even worse, be bitter and miserable. Right. But because of all that studying and everything he did, he was a changed man. He used it for his better and the betterment. And it's how we act. I read a lot of um, stories about prisoners of war as well. And I forget who it was to give him credit, but it was the Chinese at the time, I believe, or the North Koreans. It was the Chinese soldiers that had caught him, caught him in the Korean War. And they would try to humiliate the prisoners. Nothing against the North Koreans. Everybody has wicked men. And you put bad men in power and in those positions. Yes. Um, it happens in every country, unfortunately. So what they would do is they would take the rice, and when they go to give it to the men, they would, instead of just giving it to them and being humane, they would kick it over or drop it on the floor. And this particular prisoner of war, because they would be starving. These men were starving. That bowl of rice was it for the day or a couple days, or they never knew when they were going to get the food again. And it would have maggots in it or whatever. But what he said was, there would be other men that would go down and grab it and scoop it up or race after it. But the one thing he still had was his dignity. And he knew that if he gave that up, that then he would probably gonna he was probably gonna die. Because then he was just gonna be a victim of his circumstances and they were gonna be able to play with his mind and his body. And eventually he got out and overcame so many different obstacles that were there. But it reminds me a lot of what we had we had just read. Um, really doesn't matter where you are. You're only a prisoner if you decide you're a prisoner. That's correct. Nobody's That's correct. ruined your life unless you allow it to be ruined, unless you stop. Now, maybe your direction has changed. Maybe he couldn't go on to the career he was, but it doesn't mean his life didn't end or ended. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people. And unfortunately, you see it more and more suicide is on the rise, especially with young people, um, because they, their life isn't going the way they want it to. And they decide they have to, they have to end it. It's a shame. I think it's a uh, just to touch on uh, uh, Reuben Carter. He was he was a a prisoner in the system. However, as 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 it stated and and you stated, Vin, he was not a prisoner uh, because he still had his mind and he he applied his mind to 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 the obstacle. Okay, and he saw the opportunity in the obstacle. I think what we need to, an important thing that we, we should not overlook is that when we say that the obstacle is part of the equation, it's, it, is, it, becomes, it becomes the road. The obstacle becomes the road. You need to have two, any figure and a variable equals you know a product or a sum or a quotient and so you cannot get to that final point without inserting that or 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 solving that variable that equation to make it there it is the way and we see that again so many wasted lives so many people that just quit we'll see it with ourselves how many goals, how many ambitions do we, do we just not follow through on? He was not powerless, and neither are we. None of us are. Laura Ingalls Wilder, the author of the classic series Little Houses, we know it 
don't know if you ever saw Little House on the Prairie. I did. Oh, I man. did. It was a cornball show. I, I didn't like watching it, but I can appreciate it more now as I look back and I think of the real ruggedness of what they all had to go through. Yes. I mean, my, my hat is off to them. So it says here, facing some of the toughest and unwelcoming elements on the planet, harsh and unyielding soil, Indian terror territory, Kansas prairies, and the humid backwoods of Florida at some point, not afraid, not jaded, because she saw it as an adventure. Everywhere was a chance to do something new, to persevere with cheery pioneer spirit, whatever fate befell her and her husband. This isn't to say she saw the world through delusional, rose-colored glasses. Instead, she simply chose to see each situation for what it could be, accompanied by hard work and a little upbeat spirit. Others make the opposite choice. As for us, we face things that are not nearly as intimidating, and then we promptly decide we're screwed. (laughs) I think every generation gets a little weaker. You know, Vin, uh, I'm 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 sitting here and I laugh to myself because you know uh, we talk about these times and and the frontiers and and I can't help but to think about what what followed in 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 westward uh, expansion mm-hmm. of of the country and and uh, for me specifically, I remember sitting in a computer class, you know, in the third grade and fourth grade, and I'm playing this floppy disk. Uh, game on the computer called the Oregon Trail, <laughs> and and you know I I played. I said it's a game. Let's play it. You know, and you know here I am. I I have my I have my my crew, uh, which consisted of you know twenty people, a settlement, right? And and we have to trek our way across the country. Guess what happened? I, I didn't understand it at that time in my life, but at some point, the wagon wheel breaks. <laughs> a wagon wheel breaks. And, and then guess what happens? People start begin to starve. Yeah. They, they begin to starve and they begin to die. And it was all part of the game. And, and you know, and these, and that was, we had to figure it out. Although it was just a game, you know, we figured out and, and you had multiple choice uh, questions that you needed to answer in order to, 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 uh, to resolve that and, and to overcome the obstacle. It's so simple. However, I think that the, to your point, Vin, the, the, where we are, uh, emotionally and, and emotionally charged. Okay. in these things, we, we, unfortunately, we don't see past, uh, simple things like this. This now is an outcry. It's an outcry. It's, it's about why are you exposing children to this content at such a young age? You can't do that. But guess what? This was real life. Mm. This is what happened then. How we couldn't have gotten this far had they not gone through those obstacles. Fortitude. I think of Lewis and Clark and just how they did what they did is amazing. Let's you know, let's just let's just start marching out there and see what's out there and figure it out. I, imagine when our GPS isn't working. <laughs> we, we we don't know what to do, and these are all paved roads. Excerpt. Just because your mind tells you that something is awful or evil or unplanned or otherwise negative doesn't mean you have to agree. Just because other people say that something is hopeless or crazy or broken to pieces doesn't mean it is. We decide what story to tell ourselves 
or whether we will tell one at all. Welcome to the power of perception. Applicable in each and every situation. Impossible to obstruct. It can only be relinquished. And this is your decision. And that's what happens. If, we're, if we really want to make a difference in the world as men, we need to stop being weak. We need to stop being victims. If we really have goals for ourselves, for our lives, for our families, they're there. It doesn't mean we're going to accomplish them. It doesn't mean it. It just means there's going to be obstacles on the way. And at the end of a life, many people accomplish what they thought they were going to do when they were younger, but still they'll look back at their life and they would say, I wouldn't change anything. You know, I, my life I thought would be a lot different. But I got to say, it's better. Not better in relation to how I would have scored it back when I originally, originally thought how I wanted it to go, but it just ended up being better. Do you, do you think it's because uh, you have found an element of peace? How, how, much, how much of that is due to some peace that you've found with, with what you've been through? Well, that's where, where does the peace come from? It becomes from perception. You only have peace if, you've, if you can look around you and realize what has occurred. How often we have it, you can have two people living in the same household. The household is a wreck. One sibling comes out of it, ends up being a stellar human being, accomplishes things in the world, a good person. The other one follows down the same trek as the household, whatever it may be, whatever disaster. What, what is it? I, I, I don't know. I, I believe it's how they like to view their surroundings and themselves because nobody wants to live a miserable, bad life. They do that because they believe they're making the best choices. Making choices based on their perceptions, which are usually wrong based out of fear. It's how they view yes, things. Yes. And they think, well, this is the way I can do it. This is the way I can make my life better. It's where we'll see people take the shortcuts in life as opposed to doing the right thing. Uh, I, I just make it so simple with my kids. When I... Was it the right? Was what you did the right thing to do? Simple as that. Whenever they do something wrong, was that the right thing to do? No. Okay. They already know it. It takes away our justification. It takes away what the other person did. It takes away how I was offended. Is what you did the right thing? No. And it it ends the story right right there. Absolutely, um, Vin. I think that you introduce. Uh, perspective uh as you stated and 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 i like to some one of my favorite things to talk about is the 20-foot view and so uh you know i say to everyone everyone out out here and and everyone who's listening is you know does anyone wake up in the morning wanting to do a bad job mm. i don't i don't i don't remember no matter how sorry for myself that i was feeling no matter uh you know what level of defensiveness you know i had in me uh, as an individual day to day you know did i ever wake up in the morning i said i'm going to do a bad job today i think that we all get up with the right intention and and i think that what we need to also understand about ourselves is that what separates us from from all other species on this planet is emotion mm -hmm. it's emotion and and we need to understand that we have this emotion 
And when we, when we catch ourselves in this emotion, that's when you take the 20 foot view. And I think that changes things immediately. I think most of us, most of our lives, we make bad choices. We don't make the best choice. We make a choice based on what we see, based on usually fear. We usually just don't make good choices. On a very basis, basic level, you know, we can all understand that if you're in a store and you see something and all of a sudden, wow, I could buy this new stereo. We all know, don't buy it. And if you still want it in 48 hours, that's a different story. In 48 hours, no, your senses come about you. It's the moment. And if we think for a minute that these stores don't know the psychology of all of this, where they place their products, how they do things, they're feeding off of our emotions. They're counting on us not being in control and controlling ourselves. I'm going to read a little bit here about um, Ulysses S. Grant. During the Overland campaign, Grant was surveying the scene through field glasses when an enemy shell exploded, killing the horse immediately next to him. Grant's eyes stayed fixed on the front, never leaving the glasses. There's another story about Grant at City Point, Union headquarters near Richmond. Troops were unloading a steamboat and it suddenly exploded. Everyone hit the dirt except Grant, who was seen running toward the scene of the explosion as debris and shells and even bodies rained down. That's a man who has steadied himself properly. That's a man who has a job to do and would bear anything to get it done. That is nerves. That's about our emotions. If we think for a minute that he wasn't startled, wasn't scared, he was, but he controlled. So the question is, are you going to let them do the same to you? When we aim high, pressure and stress obligingly come along for the ride. Stuff is going to happen that catches us off guard, threatens or scares us, surprises us. The risk of being overwhelmed is always there. What happens when we're overwhelmed? Make a bad decision. What are some instances where we could be overwhelmed? I always think of a deer or an animal in the road. Sure. You're the little squirrel. First off, a deer gets scared. What does it do? Runs into a car. <laughs> it trusts its emotion. What does the squirrel do? That squirrel zigzag back and yes. forth across the road five yes. times. And then you thump. Right? And you got him. Fear is a, is a good attention getter. But it doesn't bring with it a proper response. Fear is just there to get your attention. So as things happen to us and obstacles get us, we might get startled, we might get upset, but we got to gain control again. If we're driving a car and all of a sudden we're startled, we can't just run and hit it, run into a telephone pole. Right. We have to immediately gain control again. So as the author's saying here, it's really just being prepared. I'm sure for Grant, this is a war. Guess what happens in war? Things blow up. Yes. Things blow up. I'd given the story before the first time I walked into a gun range. I was so startled. All of a sudden, boom, boom. You feel it in, in, your, in your heart. And just as I thought I was getting used to it, all of a sudden some guy brings out a 357 Magnum. 
it felt, I thought somebody hit me in the chest and I wasn't even the one shooting it. After another 15 minutes of being in there, I didn't even hear the other gunfire. There was no more jumping, no more being startled. You're prepared for it. And in life, if we understand that an obstacle is just part of what it is, what happens when two teams get on a basketball court? Or a football field? They're expecting opposition. Yes. That's what it's all based on. What is their goal? They have a goal to win, to score a basket. But even with that, it's all layered. Okay, well, we have to execute our game plan. We have to score baskets to win. They expect opposition. They expect the other team not to make it easy. Not just not to make it easy, to make it as difficult as possible yes. for you to win. We see that on the playing field. It is no different in life. And it isn't, and there will be sometimes people opposing you. So be it. What does opposition do? Makes you stronger. Makes you faster. Keeps you on your toes. Again, the obstacle is the way. If you really want to be better, then you're going to compete against better people. Yes. I think with that, Vin, uh, you know, and, and one thing that each of these teams that went in there, they each expected to win. They each expected to win. And so when you're not on the winning side, you have to, you have to be able to take a step back and, and, and not blame the referees for blowing those three fo for those three calls. You know, uh, how did you get into those positions? Did you execute your game plan to, to put you in position to win the game? Some of the outcomes uh, of these, of these contests is determined by who put themselves in the better position to be lucky in some cases. Luck, I believe, is a function of putting yourself in that in that particular moment, in that particular time to you position yourself just under the basket where that ball is going seize to bounce. You seize the opportunity. You seize the opportunity. Controlling your emotions. When America raced to send the first men into space, they trained the astronauts in one skill more than any other, the art of not panicking. When people panic, they make mistakes. They override systems. They disregard procedures, ignore rules. They deviate from the plan. They become unresponsive. They stop thinking clearly. They just react. Not to what they need to react to, but to the survival hormones that are coursing through their veins. At 150 miles above Earth, in a spaceship smaller than a Volkswagen, this is death. Panic is suicide. So again, we can't panic. We can't get nervous. We see things happen. So we can't be like everybody else. Let's use it as an advantage. And life is really no different, the author says. Obstacles make us emotional. But the only way we'll survive or overcome them is by keeping those emotions in check. So in other words, you, all of a sudden there's a competitor or somebody beats you out for a position or whatever it may be, and you're angry? That's fine, but use the anger. Yes. Let it be part of the yes. way. And for the most part, if we ever look at any time we failed and we really trace it back, 
It's only our, it's our own fault. Now we'll say, and the way I'll say that is, did you try your hardest? Oh, I tried my hardest. Okay, maybe you tried your hardest. Let's say it's a game, in the game. Did you train as much as you should have? Sure. And then people will start thinking, well, I trained hard. Did you train as hard as you could have? Well, I could have trained harder. Could you have been better? I could have. Could you have worked on that shot more? I could have. If we really, we don't like to look at it. We want to, we don't want to give our all, but we expect all to come to us. And if we look at things clear, we'll realize that if I really want something, I'm going to be single-minded. I'm going to stay after it. I think of like a Michael Jordan, you know, just practice, practice, practice. He had a goal and he stayed after it. What we end up doing in life quite often is we have a goal and we deviate and we wonder why we never reach it. And we never really try very hard. And we always talk about that goal, but we'll never really go after it. So the Greeks had a word for this obstacle making us emotional and to control things called apathia. It's the kind of calm equanimity that comes with the absence of irrational or extreme emotions. Not the loss of feeling altogether, just the loss of harmful of the harmful, unhelpful kind. So it's how we respond. It's how we respond to that obstacle. If you're on a racetrack, some of you might see the obstacle and go, oh no. Another one will say, this is a great advantage to me. Others are going to slow down. I'm going to speed by it. You need to remind yourself, I am in control, not my emotions. We've discussed this on many other podcasts. That that's why we need to take control. I can't trust my emotions. My emotions will lead me down the wrong road every time. I need to be in control. And how do we defeat emotions? With logic. Logic is questions and statements. With enough of them, we get to the root cause. And that's always easier to deal with. Well, all of a sudden, it's, you're in a business... Oh, we lost money. Aren't losses pretty common in business? Otherwise, right? people go into business because everybody wants to make money. Yes. But people don't go into business because it costs money and they're afraid of losing it. And all of a sudden you go into business and you lose money and you panic. That's business. You lose money sometimes. Are these losses catast- catastrophic? Not necessarily. So it's not totally unexpected. As a business, we should expect to lose money on occasion. We'd rather not. How could that be so bad? Why are you all worked up over something that is at least occasionally supposed to happen? So once we start asking questions, and that's the logical part of it, we're all of a sudden in a relationship. Do we really expect never to fight? I do know couples that tell me they never fight. I don't know how. I I can't keep out of fighting with myself, let, let let alone... with my wife, you know, and some of that can be constructive. Sure. But do we really expect not to? Can you imagine if every marriage, once there was a fight, they said, okay, we got to, we got to get a divorce now. I mean. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Or Marcus Aurelius's question that he would ask himself, does what happened keep you from acting with justice, generosity, self-control, sanity, prudence, honesty, humility, 
straightforwardness. Nope. Let's get back to work. Business as usual. How often you have people that just want to circle around whatever the problem is instead of moving on. So as we keep looking at this, we need to really look at our lives because if we're going to really be men for our families, be men that are going to make a difference, we need to start focusing what is it I want and we need to get after it. And when we go to get after it, if it's really what is most important to us, then that needs to be our focus. We get too distracted. If that's really my focus, then I, I can't be doing other things. I can't be focusing on silly, silly things that are taking me away what, from what is so important. We have to have our perspective. Otherwise, we are just going to go through life feeling like we were jaded, never had my chance. And that's BS because everybody has their chance. Absolutely. Everybody has their chance. Oh, but you don't understand. I don't have to understand. It's your goal. It's not about anybody understanding. It's about you achieving. So as we're talking about perspective, perspective is everything. That's why when you can break apart something or look at it from some new angle, here it is, it loses its power over you. Why is it something that occurred six months ago, now you have no fear of? A different view. Sure. It's in the rear view mirror. Their perspective has changed. Fear is debilitating, distracting, tiring, and often irrational. It's not to ignore fear, but to explain it away. Take what you're afraid of when fear strikes you and break it apart. Because we can't change the obstacles. That part of the equation, right? You said equations before? That's, That's right. part of the equation. But the power of perspective can change how the obstacle appears. So what are some other obstacles that people face in their lives, Nils, that you could think of? Well, um, let's let's talk for a moment about uh, something as simple as, as being unhappy in the workplace mm. or, or your perception that that you are... Uh, not it's not a perception that you're unhappy. You know you're unhappy as an individual. However, your perception is that you can't change it. Mm. Okay, and so you know we we can come up with uh, so many ways or so many reasons in our minds why you know we got we were passed up for the opportunity, like you said. Um, you know, or or the boss doesn't like me, or you know he uh, the boss likes you know Stephen, or he likes. Uh, Melissa, you know, more than, more than he likes me. Um, and so I think that when we're, we're thinking about it's very, it's a slippery slope and it's very easy to fall into a dangerous place, uh, when, when we embrace that, uh, that attitude or that, that perception, I think that, uh, emotion plays a very big part of that. Uh, you mentioned, uh, also something, uh, Vin about asking questions. So, so what we didn't get that position. Okay, um, it it was not the end of the world, and and what can we do to learn why we didn't get that position, Vin? We ask the question. We say, "Hey, what could I have done to put myself in position to be considered?" That that's a question we don't like to ask because it forces me to look in the mirror and have to change possibly. Absolutely, and, and and I think it's scary, uh, you know, and and I think that we as as human beings, 
we 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 get better at these things as we embrace them however the first step the very crucial step is is recognizing that is recognizing that we need to we need to ask the question and so once you get to that point asking the question becomes just a little bit easier than it was yesterday when you thought that your boss didn't like you and 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 i think that when we do that we we find the answers and and we have to be prepared to to receive an answer that we're not going to like and and when we do that we have to also recognize we're going to enter an emotion at that point so you have to remember to take a step back you have to take the 20 foot view and look at the situation and receive the information and turn it into an opportunity why doesn't the boss like me well if i'm working hard and i'm doing my job right what boss wouldn't like me a sane boss will like me if i'm doing what i need to do and doing it right so if he doesn't like me either i'm not doing my job right or he's insane and doing the right thing doesn't please him and if that's the case i'm glad he doesn't like me because it'll get me out of there sooner to go to be someplace where I, when i'm doing the right thing they will like me absolutely and it, and it really is as simple as that. It's a zero or a one. It, it, it's it, it's one or it's one or the other. I I like that you said that, Vin, because in in the programming world, and and everything that we work on, the the computers we use and the software we use, and 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 you know, regardless of what these technologies do for us, they are all arrays and sequences of zeros and ones there you go the difference between the right and wrong perspective is everything how we interpret the events in our lives our perspective is the framework for our forthcoming response whether there will ever even be one or whether we'll just lie there and take it wow so if we see something as overwhelming, we may not do anything about it. That could be an opportunity in our lives. We, we don't do anything. Or we just lay down or we do nothing. And quite often people do nothing because they feel they're powerless. It's up to us though. It's up to us. Author says to argue, to complain, or worse, to just give up. These are choices. Choices that more often than not do nothing to get us across the finish line. In its own way, the most harmful dragon we, trace, we chase is the one that makes us think we can change things that are simply not ours to change. That someone decided not to fund your company, this isn't up to you. But the decision to refine and improve your pitch, that is. That someone stole your idea or got to it first, nope. To pivot, improve it, or fight for what's yours, yes. Focusing exclusively on what is in our power magnifies and enhances our power but every ounce of energy directed at things we can't actually influence is wasted self-indulgent and self-destructive so much power ours and other people's is frittered away in the manner wow it's up that, to us that's loaded it's up to us and as men if we really and i really believe that you know not all men, but if if you enjoy the things that we're talking about in these podcasts, you're of that fighting 
want to do the right thing. I'll say a warrior type class, even though we're not warriors. We want to stand up for what's right. We want to achieve certain things. We don't want to be lazy. We don't want to take shortcuts. We don't want to get things by doing things the wrong way. We're honorable. We want to raise up our families to be honorable. We want to be seen as honorable. We want to associate with honorable people. But we need to be strong. We can't be victims. Because if we want to be around other strong people, you know what strong people don't want to be around? People that victimize themselves. Yes. Because they see right through it. Not only do they see right through it, they want to separate themselves from it because they see themselves in it as well. They see all the weakness. They see how you are stuck in it and there's no way they could possibly help you because if you're a victim, you're always going to be a victim unless you change the way you think. And until you do that, nothing is going to change. You're going to always believe you're a victim. That's why sometimes... You don't want to help. You can't help somebody because they're really unwilling to be helped. They're not willing to think different. They're not willing to be different. And then you can't make a difference yes. in their lives. A little quote here by a person named Chuck Palinchik. The trick to forgetting the big picture is to look at everything close up, which is sort of the opposite of what we just said. Sure, right. Right. If you want to miss the big picture, just look really close, and you'll miss it. And that happens very often. Then he goes on to say, we shouldn't listen too closely to what other people say, or to even what the voice in your head says either. We'll find ourselves, listen to this, erring on the side of accomplishing nothing. Doesn't mean not to listen to good counsel. Right. Doesn't mean not to listen to reason. If your business plan involves making widgets that cost $5 and you're only going to sell them for $4, listen to that person that tells you this is not a good business plan. The math, the equation doesn't work out. But if you have a dream and a plan that's only yours and you want to do it, go for it. Even if you want to sell $5 widgets for $4 and that's your goal, that's okay because you're going to learn a lesson. The lesson is that you don't sell $5 widgets for $4. Right. It's not a good business plan. So guess what you're going to do now next time? You're going to find a way to get those widgets because you determined that the market is only going to take $4 widgets, but it costs $5. You'll find a way to get those widgets made for $3 because then you've learned from the obstacle that the only way to sell that widget for $4 is to get it made for less. So with that, we can't listen too closely to what other people say. We can't trust the voice in our head. You know what the voice in our head says now? So you're not good enough. Well, who is? That other guy? Sure. You can't do this. Who can? It's not safe. It's not safe. What is? You drove here today. Not safe. If motor vehicles, if yesterday motor vehicles never existed and they told us that tomorrow they were going to release this new invention and however many cars there are in the U.S., they were going to release to everybody. You, you were going to give you cars 
So if you have a car, they were gonna, they're going to give you a car. You don't have to buy a car. And they told you how many hundreds of thousands of people were going to die from that car. You would say no. That's right. You would say no. It's a part of who we are now. If all of a sudden they came up with a pill, and this pill they were going to distribute to all of us, and they said, if you take this pill, you'll live 10 years longer. But 100,000 of you are going to drop dead probably. Nobody would take the pill. There's so many things out there that we ignore, that we don't pay attention to, that we're afraid of, whatever it may be. We can't always listen to the voice in our head. It's not reasonable. Any sh- it, the fact that we do take chances. You driving here today, there was, I don't know what the probability is, but there was a, there's a chance you could have been killed. Absolutely. You don't think twice about it. But what does everybody worry about getting on a plane that we're going to crash? That's correct. Nobody gets in their car and worries about crashing. That's right. I won't say nobody. There's people that are afraid to drive. But for the most part, and we all know, we've heard the statistics, it's safer to fly than it is to drive. That's correct. So what's our fear based on? Not on logic, not on statistics, just our own fears. Just our own fears. So with that being said, you can't trust what you feel about anything because... What is that feeling based on? So we can't think about that failure. We can't think about how safe it is. Again, we drive every day. At one point, nobody believed Apple could make the products it made. In fact, back in 1985, Job, um, Steve Jobs was, was pushed out. They thought that his foray into consumer products was a lunatic plan. They were wrong. What they do is they take a business model and they say, and they, this is the business model. Well, guess what? If you just have a plain old business model, it, you need to change things up. You need to be dynamic. And that's what he was. This is radically different from what we're always taught. What are we told? Be realistic. I hate that. I never, if my kids have a dream, go for it. Forget about realistic. Go for it. Because who knows what they're going to encounter along the way. But we're taught, be realistic. Listen to feedback. Play well with others. Compromise. Why do I not need to compromise my goals? Other people's plans aren't what my plans are. That's right. My compromising is usually just me stepping out of the way for them to achieve their goals. I'm not saying step on people. I believe you should always do the right thing and it'll come back to you. But what if the other party is wrong? What if conventional wisdom is too conservative? It's all too common impulse to complain, defer, and then give up that holds us back. An entrepreneur is someone with faith in their ability to make something that there was nothing before. To them, the idea that no one has ever done this or that is a good thing. Others would say, nobody's done this before. We can't do it. An entrepreneur is going to say, great. Absolutely, yes, yes. When we're given an unfair task, maybe at work, some maybe rightly see it as a chance to test what they're made of, to give it all they've got, knowing full well how difficult it will be to win. 
They see it as an opportunity because it's often in that desperate, nothing to lose state that we are most creative. Our best ideas come from there where obstacles illuminate new options. That reminds me of a, I remember when I was younger complaining. I told the story before. I was complaining about a job I was given to do. And my grandfather said to me, anybody can complain about it. Not anybody can do it. That set me straight. Yes. Because people just complain. But to do it, the fact that I was even asked to do it meant that somebody had confidence that I could do it. So what do you think about, because going against what we've been taught, Nelson, about being realistic, listen to feedback, play well with others, compromise. All I think of there is lukewarm. I think that you're just going to sort of just meld into the generality of the world. And... It's it's the lazy river, Vin, is, is what it is. It's it's the lazy river. Uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't even register on on the on the raft scale on the rapid scale excuse me <laughs> it, it doesn't register and so um, I, I can't give credit to to whom said this but but every great uh, every great accomplishment started with a crazy idea or or what the conventional uh, teachings would say is a crazy idea and so, and so I, th- I think that, uh, you know, those of us who, who, who are thinking about, you know, what, what can I do or, or, or I have this idea because we all have great ideas, but, but we're just too scared to act on them. We're, we're too scared. And what are we scared of? I, I, we're, we're scared of failure. Okay. We're, we're scared of, uh, we're scared to be uh, vulnerable. I think that we're scared to, we're scared to lose, whether it's, whether it's money, whether it's, uh, you know, anything, anything. But if it's just wrong and it doesn't work and it's a bad idea. Then guess it. what? Then yeah. we learn from yeah. it. There you go. Then we learn from it. And, 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 you're, and you will be better for having taken the step, regardless of the outcome. And so, and so I think that we, we need to, uh, again, ask ourselves, what, what are we scared of? What is the worst that can happen? Okay, because whatever we're going to do, unless you're you're a stuntman and, and you're jumping out of a plane with a parachute, it's probably not going to kill us. It's probably not going to kill us. So uh, th- that is the absolute worst case scenario: is loss of life. And and none of what we're talking about here, folks, is 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 putting your life in danger. It's it's taking control and and whatever your idea is, you uh, manifest it, uh, take control of it, and and figure out what it is you need to do in your life to put yourself in position to 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 do what you want. Very true. It's those fears. It's really our pride. Um, maybe everything that I, what if this doesn't work? Because I've built myself on this dream that I'm really never going to attack, but it's always out there. And I can always hang my hat on that I never did it, but that's what I could have done. And we get so afraid. Let's talk about opportunity. I'm going to read from our book. One of the most intimidating and shocking developments in modern warfare was the German Blitzkrieg, Lightning War. In World War II, the Germans wanted to avoid the drawn-out trench fighting of previous wars, so they concentrated mobile divisions into rapid, narrow, offensive forces that caught their enemies completely unprepared. Like the tip of a spear, 
Columns of panzer tanks rushed into Poland, the Netherlands, Belgium, and France with devastating results and little opposition. In most cases, the opposing commanders simply surrendered rather than face what felt like an invincible, unfatigable monster bearing down on them. The Blitzkrieg strategy was designed to exploit the flinch of the enemy. He must collapse at the sight of what appears to be overwhelming force. Its success depends completely on the response. This military strategy works because the set upon troops see the offensive force as an enormous obstacle bearing down on them. So what Blitzkrieg was, it intimidated people and it just went into the human psyche that if somebody sees something as overwhelming, they'll just roll over. They'll just roll over. We see it in the animal kingdom. Animals will stand up, try to make themselves to appear bigger, to intimidate. Sometimes people in our lives will do things to intimidate us. What happens before every fight? Are those guys out there talking real nice? What happens at the press conference? Oh, it's yeah. the stare down. The stare down. It's the stare down. Yes. What is the purpose of a stare down? Psyche. Yes. That's all it is. It's to get, and we hear it so many times, getting into the other person's head. Why, during football games, when they go to kick the game-winning field goal or an extra point, do they call timeout? The last minute. Get into the kicker's head. Yes. Absolutely. They want to get him to doubt himself. And it works sometimes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's why they do it. But within that, what we'll see is within that obstacle, the Blitzkrieg was actually the way for the Allies to win. This is how the Allied opposition regarded the Blitzkrieg. For most of the war, they could see only its power and their own vulnerability to it. In the weeks and months after the successful invasion of Normandy by Allied forces, they faced it again, a set of massive German counteroffensives. How could they stop it? Would it throw them back to the very beaches they just purchased at such a high cost? A great leader answered that question. Striding into the conference room at headquarters in Malta, <clears throat> General Dwight D. Eisenhower made an announcement. He'd have no more of this quivering timidity from his deflated generals. The present situation is to be regarded as opportunity for us and not disaster, he commanded. There will be only cheerful faces at the conference table. In the surging counteroffensive, Eisenhower was able to see the tactical solution that had been in front of them the entire time. The Nazi strategy carried its own destruction within itself. Only then were the Allies able to see the opportunity inside the obstacle rather than simply the obstacle that threatened them. Properly seen, as long as Allies could bend and not break, this attack would send more than 50,000 Germans rushing headfirst into a net or a meat grinder, as Patton eloquently put it. So before, the Germans would take all their forces, and we all know, you take a lot of force, put it on a smaller point, it becomes overwhelming. Yes. So what the Allies finally learned is, 
let's not break, let's bend. Instead of just breaking and surrendering and letting them break through, let's absorb them. And what happens when you absorb them? Now you're surrounding them. And then they would do the number one battle tactic that everybody wants to do and everybody avoids is flanking. That's correct. So in the obstacle, what was the obstacle was really the way for them to win. But we often miss that because of fear and what's right in front of us. So maybe a person doesn't treat us right. That's not an obstacle. That is an opportunity to show others who you are and how deep your character flows. There is no reason out there. There is nothing that's going to come into our lives that should really affect us. It may shift us a little left, may shift us a little right, but it's just life. And whose life is it? It's my life. So through this, before we wrap up, because we've been looking at the perspective, but we need to start, once we have a proper view of things, now we need to prepare to act. We need to, all of a sudden our fear, something has happened, an obstacle is there. I now realize that this obstacle has an opportunity. What if I just leave it there? Then I'll just, I'm no different. Right. I've been nothing more than a laid back philosopher that sees the way, but never goes down the Oregon Trail. Never takes the road to enjoy. I've told people how to get there or what to do, but I've never taken the road myself. And there is no worth in that because everybody has advice for others and can tell others how to get where they need to go. It's only the man that can see beyond himself and take control and then travel down that road that he'll be able to fulfill his goals. So our next stop and for our next podcast is going to be acting upon that. But before we wrap it up, Nels, what have you got? I know you have a couple things you jotted down. What else did you, did you want to hit upon? I think that what we, the, the takeaway here, uh, folks is, is, is appearance or, or what the, it, it's, it is, it's perspective. That's, that's what this is all about. And, and we have to, we have to remember that at the most basic level is, or, or, or recognize that not everything or things are never what they appear to be. Um, uh, this is especially the case in, in obstacles or opportunities, uh, just as, as, um, as you said, Vin, uh, you know, uh, to, to his generals, he said, Hey, I don't want to hear about, you know, all the problems we're having, the disasters where, where we where you know, we have these problems and, and the, the truth is, is you don't have a problem. What you have is an opportunity to overcome. That's what it is. Uh, and, and, and just going back through what our conversation has been, the world does not go according to plan. It doesn't go. Don't ever plan on that happening. Mm. When, when you plan on that happening, plan to fail. Yeah. When you plan on everything going as you plan, plan to fail. <laughs> I love exactly. It. Absolutely. Very true. 
And so, and so what, where, where we have gotten to, we, we talk about people like, like Michael Jordan, you know, here, here you have one athlete, one individual who came into all of his, into any, into all of his games, knowing that the opposing team had prepared specifically for him. Scottie Pippen, sure, that's that was his 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 number two guy. But you know they weren't preparing for John Paxson. They 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 weren't preparing for Dennis Rodman. They weren't preparing for Tony Kukoc coming off the bench. They prepared for Jordan, and 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 oh, and by the way, there there weren't all these these added defensive rules that they are these days. And guess what? He overcame. He knew they were coming for him, and he said, "I'm going to do it anyway. Have fun. Good luck." Because you know, whatever, I'm going to do what I'm going to do anyway. And, and it was a mindset. It was a mindset. It, it, he wasn't less human than any one of us. Okay. Uh, he, he wasn't in many cases, less of an athlete than many of his competitors were. It was his mindset and he carried the mindset from the basketball court to the business world. Yeah, he did. And, and it shows still. Also, Let's think about, uh, I'd like for us to remember, what is the definition of insanity? Is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Understand where you are, okay? Look at it with an open mind. And as hard as it may seem, understand that you will have an emotion, but it's important to check the emotion. And it's going to change your world. We guarantee it. And problems. I've always loved being a problem solver. Because if you just keep peeling it back, swimming a little further upriver, you get to what the real source is. Yes. And you realize that there really isn't that much of a problem. And that's all I've ever done in my life in resolving problems. I, I ask a lot of questions. The whys, the hows, the wheres. And then you, and you, you get upriver and you see where it, it happened and and then you and, you and you move on. You learn from it. You learn from it. Some some problems you're so far in that, that you're, you're into it. You know, for instance, somebody comes to you with a problem. Do I, um, I'm so far in credit card debt. Do I declare bankruptcy or do I just live the rest of my life paying it off? Well, the answer really, the question really should have happened way back behind the timeline. <laughs> You know, we're, we're asking questions too far down the road. Yes. It's really, should I have spent all this money? Should I be spending this money? Should I be living beyond? Because there's going to be accountability and repercussions. And listen, you, your choices may only be two bad choices. So be it. It's, it's the road that you've traveled down, which goes back to what we're talking about. Why when we see obstacles or something, we need to make good choices up front. Because you mentioned before, you know, opportunities are just are nothing more than uh, doorways that we've opened through good choices. And the more good choices we make, the more opportunities. And those choices we make early on. Because if we don't make good choices, we make a lot of bad choices. We can get so deep into that maze that we start to get desperate and can only make bad choices. So anybody that's out there from what we learned today is... When you look at that obstacle, you look at something that's going on, even an argument in your household, look at it as the obstacle is the way. It's the way I will now show my loved one how much I care about them. 
So within our lives, with whatever we're going to do, whatever your main goal in life is, just make sure it's doing something good, something that will enhance others, somebody that will lift up others. Otherwise, your goal isn't going to make you happy. When your goal is something that is going to benefit others, benefit the people you love, and let them look at you in a different, better, honorable way, then you'll start attracting better people, opening more opportunities. You'd be amazed. It becomes a whirlwind of success instead of a whirlwind of, oh crap, where's my life going? Look at all my problems. So if we really want to be different, if we really want to make a difference, then we need to think differently. And it's in our power. So until next time, think different, be different, make a difference. Until next time, think different, be different, make a difference. And as always, we welcome your comments and feedback and questions. Uh, we can be found at Thinking Man Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course the website thinkingmanpodcast.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.